Danny and thanks for tuning in to The Grown Up Hustle. This podcast is based on real people sharing all their different journeys as they navigate this crazy ride called adulting. From coffee o'clock to wine o'clock and all that happens in between, we're here to openly discuss how we're all just really hustling our way through life. So if you're ready for the highs, the lows and a whole lot of real talk, then stay tuned because we've got you covered. Hey guys, welcome back. It's been quite a good week this week actually, for all the people in Britain especially. Looks like we might be getting some sort of way out from our third lockdown. It was funny actually because I've been speaking to my girlfriends and since they've sort of announced that there's a bit of an exit strategy, I've noticed such a change in people's moods. Here's hoping, fingers and toes crossed, that we actually have got a bit of light finally at the end of the tunnel and we might have some semblance of normality by the middle of this year. So we're on episode nine today. I can't believe we're on episode nine and I can't believe that it's nearly March. Like I genuinely just feel like I just sort of celebrated Christmas and New Year and and now here we are. But anyway, episode nine, as I said, and today on the show, I've got um, Mel and Sinead, who are the hosts of the Imposter Club podcast. Their podcast covers all the different elements of imposter syndrome and just how it affects so many different aspects of our lives. I originally came across the girls when they were speaking at an event I attended called Warrior Women Collective, which is a a female community uh, and they provide events and content and stuff. They're really great, actually. So you should check them out, too, uh, if you're interested. But yeah, they were talking about imposter syndrome and like where where it all came about for them, how the idea all came about. And I was just sat there listening to them thinking, like, shit, this really resonates. And like, there's so many times in life, isn't there, that you just feel like a complete fraud. I'm from a vet nursing background. And I think that when I started working vet nursing, I kind of felt like I was playing at being a vet nurse, not actually a vet nurse, which sounds really strange. And then I went on to set up my own business after that. And it was the same, you know, I I felt like I was playing at life and in so many different elements of my life throughout the 36 years that I've, I've been on this planet, I just kind of sometimes get this feeling where, you know, I maybe think that I don't belong or I feel like that I'm completely winging it. And it doesn't seem to matter how, you know, well learned I am or how capable or confident I am in whatever the task is that I'm trying to approach. There's just that voice in my head that's like, they're going to find out that you you can't really do this, <laughs> which sounds absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty determined and I can be really stubborn when I put my mind to something. If I want to achieve something, I will achieve it no matter what. And I will keep moving forward with it, but that voice is always, always there. And then I kind of thought, well, you know, you kind of have to trust your own capabilities. And if you don't, if you don't trust your own capabilities or or you don't bet on yourself, then how are you going to convince other people to? And the irony I was thinking was that famous quote by Richard Branson, uh, when he says that if someone offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure if you can do it, you should just say yes and then learn how to do it later. And I definitely do take that approach to life, but I still have that horrible nagging voice in my head. 
The great part about chatting with Mel and Sinead was speaking to two girls who were on completely the same page as me and probably a lot of a lot of people out there and just being able to be really open and honest and say, you know what, like imposter syndrome does affect us in our work. It does affect us in our friendships. It does affect us in some of the smallest tasks in your day to day life, but it's there. So today, Mel and Sinead are going to talk us through imposter syndrome and then also give us some tips on how to kind of battle it and how to overcome it and just also really put it out there that all of us adults are suffering from this. So on that note, let's welcome the co-founder members and Imposter Club Queens to the show, Mel and Sinead. Welcome to the show, girls. It's great to have you on. Hi. Hi. We're glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about imposter syndrome and what it actually means. So imposter syndrome is, I mean, it was actually coined as a term to to explain um, in women, high intellectual women, as a feeling of intellectual phoniness. So it's this idea of feeling like a Ford. And the kind of origins of it are obviously about the work environment. However, Sinead and I, we very much see how it impacts every area of our lives, really. Yeah, the um, the psychologist's Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes kind of coined it to to just sort of talk about, you know, when people are achieving really highly in the workplace. But we've noticed that we've kind of uh, decided to take their mantle and run with it and find imposter syndrome in everything from finances to body image to Christmas and everything in between. So when did you girls set up the Imposter Club podcast and where did the idea for that come about? Uh, I think we accidentally set it up when we were 11, when we first met, Mm. really. (laughs) So um, we've been friends since uh, secondary school, since we were, you know, uh, pre-teens. And, you know, we're really fortunate that we've had such a long lasting, still going friendship, uh, even in this digital world. Mm. And we are really fortunate that we're really close and we talk through everything, you know, from when we were 11 and it was periods and boys and dramas at school to growing up together and going to uni and trying to understand the world around us and I think it really started becoming this regular conversation when we lived together when we were in Mm. our mid-20s and we used to come home from work didn't have any money disposable income we'd come home from work make a was it an iced coffee we would make it was Um, seasonal so whatever the season dictated (laughs) we'd make a coffee and then we'd go out for a walk and we just loved discussing every impact of everything right Shin Mm. like it was the details wasn't it and it was the doubt and then when when did it actually come about? When did we? Well, I mean, I I would say that you and I both probably belong to are uh, probably the founding members of Overthinkers Anonymous. Um, but we've been yes. able to kind of uh, help each other overthink and and actually get get through the overthinking. Um, so I think it was time has lost all meaning mm. thanks to COVID. But I'm going to say two years ago we sat down in a cafe and said, all right what if we did turn this into a podcast? What would it actually be about? And, you know, we went through so many different ideas for, you know, of topics like pop culture and friendship and everything. But we kept kind of circling back to how we talk through self-doubt with each other. And we realized like, you know, if, if 
we are talking about these kinds of things, then everyone is probably, if not talking about it, at least feeling it. So, um, so yeah, the Imposters Club was kind of born there because we we wanted to make it a club because um, we we all feel it at some point or another in some area of life or another. So we wanted to kind of say, look, you're not alone. You're in a club with us. You may feel like an imposter, but because you're in a club, you aren't actually. And now we can get somewhere with talking about it. Yeah. It's funny because even if I look within my own friendship circle and my best friend particularly, she's you know, she's done great. She's really like progressing in her career and 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 she's she's building this great life for herself, but yet that doubt, that constant doubt, and she's just riddled with this doubt. And I definitely think a problem shared is a problem halved, but it, it helps when it's not just within your friendship group. It's really mm. great to hear other people talking about it, to know that we're all kind of, you know, battling that, that sort of inner voice that's saying, oh, really? Should, you know, are you capable? Can you do that? And, and yeah, that- sort of talking you down almost. Definitely. And I think one of the really important things that was really key to both of us is that when we often see imposter syndrome talked about, because it is really buzzy, you know, there's lots of articles about it. It often puts the onus on the individual. It's your it's your issue that you need to solve. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are things we can absolutely do. But a really important thing for both of us is understanding that it's society that has done this to us. It's the narrow visions of what success should be and is that makes us feel like we don't belong. You know, we only see one vision of beauty. And therefore, if we don't fit into that, we feel like we don't belong. We only see one vision of success. Therefore, if we don't fit into that, if we see a one vision of family, we see one, you know, and so it's those, it's it's society's expectations that have made us feel like that we don't belong or we're not good enough. And that was really important for us to make that distinction so that when people listen to our podcast, they they aren't feeling that shame, that it's something that I've done wrong and I need to improve. It's about going, oh, wait there. A part of this journey is understanding what do I want? So trying to quiet the noise outside helps you quieten the voice in your head. Mm. And also beyond sort of society's expectations, like the structures of society creates imposter syndrome because, you know, we're coming at it from a pretty privileged vantage point of two educated, straight, able-bodied white women. And, you know, the, the way that the world is set up is actively trying to make people that don't fit into very narrow parameters feel like imposters. So I think what what we really wanted to do with the podcast was, you know, and we che- we kind of changed our tagline sort of h- halfway through in that we, at first we were fighting the voice in your head that tells you that you're not good enough. But right now we're, we're like, actually, we've just got to learn how to manage it because that voice is going to be there whether whether we can, you know, I don't know, change the track or not. You know, that voice is going to be there because we haven't changed how the world is structured yet. Like hopefully mm. one day we can all change that. But um but for now, managing it. I think it's very slow progress, though, in change. Those societal con- constructs are so are so deeply embedded in, in all of us that even when we start to try to step outside of, of those, you know, sad comfort zones as such, mm. yes, yeah, some people are very accepting, but, but others aren't because, you know, you're constantly being asked the questions of, when are you going to get married? And then get married, when are you going to have kids? And then yeah. you're going to have another kid. You know, it's, it's never ending. I really like that. Um, 
artist, I think her name's Lainey, Lainey Molnar, possibly. I don't know if you've seen her on Instagram and she no. does, I'll, I'll have to tag you girls. And she, she is a brilliant artist and she does two pictures side by side and it will be like, um, for instance, like two women. And it'll be like, you know, a beautiful woman and a beautiful woman, but they both have completely, you know, one's like perfectly groomed and the other one's quite edgy. Or she put one up the other day and it was three women, all different shapes and sizes. And it said bikini body, bikini body, bikini body. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, like, yes. And I'm like also seeing a lot of, you know, body positivity um, on social media these days, which I that, that's helped me. I mean, I've got such self-doubt with my body and, you know, I'm relatively you know, small frames, but yeah, it's still there because you look at all of these gorgeous women on social media and think, God, I'd love to look like that. And half of them don't even really look like that themselves. It's that. Well, exactly. It's again. <laughs> I mean, social media, you spoke about tips at the beginning and social media is a double-edged sword. And I think mm. we talk about that all the time. And if you curate your Instagram feed to be something where you are seeing different perspectives, different um, different visions of beauty, then it can be a really kind of safe space. It's also a place where you learn and where you you challenge your own views. I always use the story, which is when I when we started the Imposters Club and we started the Instagram, we started from square one two years ago. So we filled it with people that inspired us and people of uh, people in different areas and the people that weren't about shame. And I found that I would go on my personal one and feel rubbish about myself. And then I would go on the imposters one and feel like, yeah, go on, you can do this. <laughs> and so like the easy, one of the easiest things is like unfollow people, like have mm. an unfollow party. The perfect time is on the toilet. <laughs> Get your phone out. Definitely. get rid of everyone but, you know self-care Sunday if you're if you're scrolling through Instagram like while you're relaxing on a Sunday like unfollow anything that doesn't make you feel inspired or or just good about yourself because mm. otherwise it's just and I I always say as well like even if even if it is a friend like if if you're if for whatever reason something that your friend is posting on social media is is difficult for you or just isn't helping you at that moment you can mute them for yeah. a little while they'll never know and like that's you know that's respectfully saying I can't see that right now I'm not unfollowing you this isn't dramatic but you know you can just like if your friend is working out all the time and you just can't see that like you can joyfully mute them and be like good for you not for me can you tell us both of you uh incidences where sort of imposter syndrome has maybe really affected you girls in your life whether that be personal or career whatever it might be Oh, where can we? we start? Where can't we? <laughs> where can't I, I, um, yeah, you go. I've been feeling a lot of I've the weird thing with imposter syndrome is that I've realized that like everywhere that you feel you, in every aspect of your life, you can feel imposter syndrome in multiple ways. So an example for me is that so I'm doing a PhD at the moment still. <laughs> Our long-standing joke <laughs> is that I'm doing it for 400 years because I do it part-time. So it takes like six or seven years to do it. Um, and I managed to feel like an imposter around that one thing all the time because in an academic setting, I feel like an imposter because I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I haven't done enough research. I haven't read enough. I'll never be as learned as all the other academics, you know, in my in this world, or I'll never be as good as the other PhD students because I'm doing it part-time. 
um, I'll never be able to devote the the energy to, I don't know, really good critical thought. Then on the other side, in um, in non-academic life, people are, you know, I'm sort of feeling that people are like, are you, are you still at uni? Have you not grown up yet? No one's actually said that to me, but I kind of, I feel that from people. When I get asked, how's your PhD going? What I hear is, have you not grown up yet? Are you still, are you still a student? And that can be really difficult because, I mean, it all comes down to comparison where you're comparing yourself, like I'm comparing my brain against the brain of other people doing PhDs or with PhDs that have done them 20 years ago. And I'm comparing myself to people like my close friends who are, you know, you know, doing well at work, for example. And I'm like, oh, you know, my income is nothing and I study still just me and my pile of books. And I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's the big imposter syndrome that I feel quite often is simultaneously you'll never be clever enough and you haven't grown up yet because of this one thing that you're doing, which ostensibly is quite an impressive thing. And I get imposter syndrome because I do a podcast which requires research with someone who's doing a PhD. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is why we need it, so we can snap each other out of it. Um, this is why you started Harvard referencing our show notes. And I was like, we don't need to do that, man. I'm trying to impress you. <laughs> Um, I hate Harvard referencing anyway. I'm an NHRA girl. Exactly. What is she even talking about? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, and I think, I mean, I could talk about all the ways in which, you know, I feel imposter syndrome in work, but I think one of the really key ones for me, because when in our first two seasons, we explored different areas in which you feel imposter syndrome. Um, some of the topics Sinead discussed, uh, mentioned earlier on from everything to do with grief, Christmas, turning 30. Um, and then we moved on to having guests. But one of the ones that really hit me was about friendship anxiety. And this is something that we we don't really talk about because it's shameful. You know, the fact that you get you get imposter syndrome about being able to be a good enough friend or making friends. And um, in that episode, I, I I speak about the fact that I'm really fortunate. Right. I've got Sinead and I've been best friends for as long as even longer than she's been doing a PhD and (laughs) um and we're in a really close friendship group and I met my husband my now husband when I was a baby 20 and so I don't really have loads of new friends um because because I don't and I've wanted to make new friends and I found that so difficult I found like I don't know how to start a friendship and I don't know what makes a good friendship. But then on the other side, the friends that I do have, I get that WhatsApp anxiety. You know, the fact that you've messaged someone, you think you've upset them. Oh, that's yeah. it. They haven't replied for two hours. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I'm not good enough to be a friend. I, I, I'm not providing what they need. I've upset her. And then also like, or the idea of I don't belong in that friendship group. I'm not as cool as them. Oh, I'm not, I'm not the same in the same place as them. And I thought that was a really important one to talk about because I think even in really close friendship groups or, you know, people that don't have moved to a new place and don't have new friends, it's it's one of those ones where you go, oh, wow, it really does impact these different areas of our lives. And the more we talk about it, like ever since we've spoken about that, Shin, I don't know if you can kind of think about it, we now are much more open sharing it with each other, aren't we? We're yeah. like, oh, God, you know that WhatsApp the other day? I really... Um, 
I really thought you were annoyed at me or I thought our mate was annoyed mm. at us. Like because once you get it in that conversation, you take the shame away. You go, it's like a weight's lifted off your shoulder, deep breath and go, oh God, I'm not the only one. Mm. And I think also as we get older, because everyone's, you know, when you're, when you feel that friendship anxiety as a teenager, it's because you're all in the sort of same world. You're all, you know, at school together and everyone's priorities are are slightly similar you know like everyone's hormones are raging everyone wants to find love everyone wants to be cool everyone does still want to get good grades and like you know has the pressure of trying to get somewhere as you get older and everyone's priorities diverge and everyone's like stages of life diverge I think while we're comparing ourselves to each other we're also saying like oh god I can't I can't give her what she needs anymore you know um a friend of ours had a baby and we were like I can't I can't what she needs is someone that she can text at 2am asking about poo and we can't give her that so we all had a bit of a crisis of like oh god how can we be her friend and then we realized like obviously what she needed was her friends to remind her of you know the fact that she is not just baby maker but you kind of have that crisis of like how can I be what you need me to be and I don't know what the answer is, but other than just being yourself, <laughs> just being the friend that they have always needed. Yeah. It's funny you said about the WhatsApp. I, we've got a group of four girls, myself included. We're all thick as thieves. We have matching tattoos when we were younger. We've lived in all different places all over the world together. And obviously, as as you said, when we were younger, our lives were all pretty similar and very carefree. As we've gotten older, Two of them have had babies. Um, One of them actually has got my two godsons, who I'm very proud of. Um, But we all live all over the world, in different parts of the world now. And we're all at different stages in our life. And we mostly communicate on WhatsApp. And it is that thing. Two of the girls, ironically, the two that have got, got kids, they have the worst imposter syndrome with their messages. Like, I'm hopeless at replying to messages. And then they'll start panicking about something they've written. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like, I'm just away with the fairies doing something else, you know. But then they start worrying that they've really upset, you know, me and our other friend by something they've said. Or they'll go off on like tangents about the kids. And I'm not that kid friendly, to be honest. I don't have that much, like you said, to put in. I don't have babies and I don't know anything about baby poo or, you know, baby clothes or baby life. And and it's hard. I know what you mean. And you think, oh, how can I sort of you know, how can I relate? But you realize that actually all they just mm-hmm. want is someone to offload to and a listening ear and all right, we can't have a cup of coffee, but we can have a virtual cup of coffee across the, across the ocean. And that's, mm. that's the, the biggest thing, but it's, it is tough and it gets more difficult, I think, with friendship and in, in that imposter syndrome within your friendship groups and making new friends, the older you get. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And with obviously societal expectations are that, you know, you settle down, you find someone and you settle down and you have a family and there's never, you know, there's never a kind of, um, we're never taught how people maintain their friendships in middle age. Yeah. You know, or why it's so important to have a really strong social circle when you're in your 70s. And we need to hear more of that because I think Mm. more than ever, you know, particularly as we're all so much more isolated at the moment, having those strong support systems and social circles as we get older are more necessary than ever because it takes a village. You can't rely on one thing. 
is like having that that guts to speak out about it because you almost feel like you're not cool when you're saying, oh, I'd like I'd like some more friends. How do I make new friends? And you just, you feel, you just feel like such a loser when you say that, but it's true. You just want more friends, different types of friends, different types of people in your life as you grow and change. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you mentioned there about different types of people as well. And I think we, as women, especially we're taught a lot to compete right? We're taught a lot to, you know, you take these narrow visions of success and the structures within our society. We're taught to put our energy into shrinking ourselves and competing with other women. And that's why, you know, diet culture is such a big area where we feel imposter syndrome, because we are spending our lives thinking and doing work to shrink ourselves and therefore and not make take up space not use our voice and also not not learn and celebrate our differences and one of the one of the other things that has come from us doing the imposters club is is learning and appreciating how different we all are like Sinead and I we there's so much that makes us very similar but we are also very different in the way we attack life the fact that I even use the word attack life shows where I sit in this. Yeah, and I defend <laughs> myself from life. <laughs> <laughs> and and so we we um found the five different types of imposter, which I must share with you all okay. because um it's one of the like the the pillars which uh, the imposters club um sits on. And it was identified by Valerie Young. Um, and I'm sure as I read these out, you're going to go, that's me. Um, so they are, the first one is a perfectionist. And this is somebody who sets impossibly high expectations for themselves, AKA Sinead. The next one is an expert, somebody who needs to know everything before even starting something. And then you've got, that's also Sinead. And then you've got, <laughs> the natural genius and they're used to skills coming easily and freaks out when they don't also Sinead mm. um, and then we're coming to my ones now you've got soloist um somebody who thinks asking for help means they've failed absolutely oh that's all and you Danny. oh we've got two soloists <laughs> Uh oh. and then there's also the super person somebody who feels like they're in competition with everybody around them Oh, oh, Danny, you and I are the same. Oh, God, I'm outnumbered. We're the same. I'm outnumbered. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like this moment of realizing, because we also can say that we feel like we don't belong. We can say that we feel this anxiety, but we actually all deal with it in very different ways. It manifests in our body in very different ways. You know, Sinead, yes, very much reached both hands to the ceiling when I said perfectionist. Um, but you've learned by acknowledging that you are a perfectionist, right? You've learned what that means to you and also how to manage it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th I think perfectionism gets sort of a bit of a bad reputation as like a bit of a humble brag. You know, they always say, oh, don't say that you're a perfectionist when you're asked what your flaws are in a job interview because you sound like an ass. And like the thing with perfectionism is for me, the way that it manifests itself is not like through kind of like incredibly diligent hard work to make everything as amazing as possible. It's total paralysis. It's because if I can't do it perfectly, I might as well not do it, which obviously, you know, that can be everything from sending an email. Mel knows very well that it can send me an entire day, take me an entire day to send an email to, I don't know, making a lasagna. Like if I'm not going to do it perfectly, what is the point? 
Um, but I mean, I've learned for, for myself, I've learned that what I need to remind myself and I keep it on a poster is instead of aiming for perfect, I'm turning it into a verb and I'm turning it into aiming to perfect something. So obviously I write a lot. So if I just get like a trash draft down on the page and it's awful and it's written as I would speak and I'm swearing and all that kind of thing, I can go back and I can perfect it. I can make it better and and eventually I might be able to let it go. But I think learning learning ways to remind yourself of of how your imposter syndrome is manifesting and being able to take a step back and be like, all right, okay, how can we turn this around? Like, you know, Mel, when you're struggling to ask for help because you're putting too much pressure on yourself and getting overwhelmed, you're getting so much better at saying, hang on, I'm I'm just going to step away and I'm just going to text someone and be like, I actually need your your help with this. Yeah. Can you and take it a doesn't- look at this? And it doesn't affect your worth because that's the bit with it. It's the fact that you think that if you don't, uh, so for me and you, Danny, the fact that if we have to ask for help and we haven't done, if you haven't done this entire podcast on your own and done every element of it, then you're not good enough to have a podcast. And I think part of it is understanding it in yourself. Like, oh, I'm doing it again. Like, So now you've got it in your head. Oh, I'm doing that thing. But also it makes you a better leader, a better manager, a better friend. Like I used to be one of those per- people that when I saw a perfectionist, I was like, oh, bloody hell, they're going to take years to do this piece of work. But actually when from learning from Sinead and I've managed um, somebody that's a perfectionist, I go, okay, wait there. This is their imposter syndrome coming out. Mm. And actually I can support you instead of seeing it as a negative. And on the flip side, it's also knowing that that is, there is a superpower that comes from that. Sinead has the most incredible eye for detail. You know, we always joke that between the two of us, if, um, if I was going to do the podcast alone, I would have done it all in one week and got it out there and it wouldn't have been as good. And if Sinead was going to do it alone, it would, it it wouldn't have come out. (laughs) Yeah. We still wouldn't have released it. You would not have heard of the imposters club because I would still be going one second. Yeah. And so it's learning how to bring out the best in each other Mm. as well. And this, you know, back to the friendship groups, but also in your work environment going, it's it's acknowledging it, you know, and this is where looking after your mind and looking after yourself comes into it as well, because it's about naming the beast at Mm. first. Um, That's when you taught me, Shin, name the beast. And being, but being able to name it and to realize what's going on means that you like, the brilliant thing about doing this podcast is that we have grown so much in how we understand like how our brains are functioning because you know i i can now tell the difference between when i'm being a perfectionist and when i'm saying no actually this isn't good enough to go out into the world yet and you know mel you're getting better at learning to say i'm being impatient or no we really do need to move on and i think you know being able to say oh this is my imposter syndrome speaking is one thing, but being able to say, actually, I've thought about it and I know when my imposter syndrome is happening, but this is actually my expertise that's going on right Mm. now. You just, you end up growing in confidence a lot more and then your imposter syndrome doesn't manifest itself as dramatically. Yeah. It's it's all good. It's funny that you said about starting the pod because I was like, right, I've got to learn. I've got to learn to do everything. And I've got to learn to record it and edit it and mix it. And I 
I, I could barely, you know, write an email at the start of it all. And, and I did, and I learned and I pushed through, but then it was, you know, I released it and I was like, and I felt like a fraud. I was like, who's, who's going to want to, who's going to listen to my podcast. And then even when, like it, I've obviously, I launched it a few weeks ago now and even, even when it first launched and then seeing all the downloads I was getting and thinking from all over the world. And I was just like, it fried my brain, but then there was still that voice inside that was like, are you really good enough to be doing a podcast? Mm. Even when people are saying it's like, oh. things. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, oh, they're downloading it, but they, they haven't realized how bad it is. <laughs> or like we, um, uh, we had a moment, we had an amazing moment last year where we had a, a message one day, like on a really bad day as well. It was like lockdown was happening. We both had a big cry. We were really struggling. And we had a message from um, a producer of, uh, Laura Whitmore's podcast, Castaway, saying that Nicola Roberts from Girls Aloud had picked our podcast as one of her favourites wow. and they were going to talk about it on Castaway. And we were like, what? And then a tiny voice in both of our heads said, oh, this must be the like dud of the week uh, segment of that podcast. That they'll be like, oh God, and here's the terrible one that we just can't get over how bad it is. It's the Imposters Club. And obviously, you know, Laura Whitmore is a lovely person and therefore would <laughs> never do that in her podcast. Um, but we were just convinced, like, oh, they're going to say it's not very good or they're going to say, like, it's a nice idea, but the girls are annoying or something. But no, they were lovely. And I I am annoyed with myself for thinking that they would be anything other. You, like, ruined and, your own proud moment. Yeah. And this is, wow, that and that's something that's so important. I posted something on... Instagram yesterday and I don't remember what I said but this idea that <laughs> that was a cool link wasn't it no but the idea that we do a disservice to other women by putting ourselves down mm, yeah because the more we do that the more we 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 train each other to do the same thing right because you don't want to be that person that takes the compliment when everyone else doesn't but if we start doing it we're encouraging the people around us to do it you know if we the best thing we can do is a not compliment people just on the way they look, uh, mm. but more on the way on who they are and what they mean to you and what they give to the world. But also then start taking it ourselves. When somebody says you were really good in that meeting today, you go, thanks. Mm. Just yeah. thanks. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Just, just short, straight to the point, accepting and allowing yourself that growth, that acceptance and that growth will mm. enable others around you to start yeah being more exciting and growing as well it's wild that that feels radical as well like you know to just say oh thanks yes I was fantastic <laughs> like that's all of that everything that that implies and I think also like being able to be in touch with how we're feeling and what like what we're actually feeling is a very important thing with this because we have so many shorthands you know Mel saying like complimenting someone on anything other than their looks a shorthand in society to like ingratiate yourself and maybe make a new friend is to be like you look really nice today I love your hair have you lost weight thanks and a short <laughs> a um like a shorthand that we have for kind of feeling a bit rubbish like if if we're saying like oh I don't feel I mean I did it the other day like Oh, I wasn't feeling very confident or I was feeling quite tired, but I was like, oh, I feel really fat today. And I caught myself and I was like, no, you cannot say that because number one, 
fat is just a basic descriptor. So like that, like that shouldn't have any kind of emotional, um, emotional weight. Like it should, like we cannot use it as an insult for anyone, especially ourselves. And, you know, what I was actually saying is I don't feel very confident. I don't feel very connected to myself today. That's a completely different thing. And I think we need to kind of like get more used to saying what we feel. I feel like an imposter today. I feel completely out of my depth. I need some help. I feel paralyzed by what I have to do and completely overwhelmed. Help me. I'm feeling like an imposter. I'm feeling underconfident. Rather than having these shorthands that don't don't help us to change anything. Yeah. So rounding things up a bit, have you got any good tips or tricks for people to help them overcome imposter syndrome and kind of push that voice in their head down saying that you can't? Well, I think just jumping off of what Sinead said, we're so well versed in saying everything we aren't. You know, if Mm -hmm. I told you to say, tell me five things you don't like about yourself, I bet you could just reel them off. I bet you have more than five. But actually what start thinking about Um, changing the way you talk about yourself what is five things that are great about you and you will start acknowledging them if you listen to the compliments you get because it's likely to be similar not similar stuff but like in the work environment if people think that you're a great facilitator and they've said it to you five times well that's actually a Uh, something you should be taking on board and so I think in the whole area of changing the way you talk about yourself there's so many things you can do you know part of it is you know do a skills audit write down all the things that you are greater and they could be like technical work things like yeah I'm a good facilitator I'm a good writer I'm a good lawyer or whatever but then they can also be I'm a good listener I'm Mm. I've got a great eye for detail um, and then start changing the way you talk about yourself in in work environment in a, you know, the more you know about yourself, the more if you're going to go for a job, because I know lots of people think about imposter syndrome in the work environment and would look for tips in that area. Um, if you're going to write a job application or a bio and you're just regurgitating words like I'm a team player. I, I, I'm a good leader. Well, actually that doesn't really mean anything. Whereas if you're taking the advice or the feedback you're giving and putting that down, you're, you're creating an idea of a person. Mm. And I think that, you know, another idea that I did for myself was when I was writing a bio for, um, uh, a job application, um, I actually got peers and friends to write sentences on me and give it back to me. And then I use that to turn it into something. And so I think, and then when you go out to your friends and stuff like that, it's changing the way you're, you talk to your soul <laughs> as like deep as that, like what Sinead was saying. Mm. I think also, I mean, one thing that we've really come back to quite often this year is, I mean, especially this year, but every year, is looking after your mental health because I think imposter syndrome often leads us to overcompensate. So it leads us to work, you know, 10 more hours a week than we need to because we're we're worried about being found out that we're frauds. And that leads us to burnout. And then when you are burnt out, you are less connected to yourself. You feel less confident. You're more likely to feel more imposter syndrome. And it's a really vicious cycle. So finding the practices that help you, you know, I always call it ground zero, like even on a really, really awful day, what are the things that you can do to make yourself feel not good, not even okay, just level, you know, and that can be tiny things like 
having a shower or going outside or speaking to another human being, it actually speaking, not texting, um, you know, eating a vegetable, having some water. These are just mine. Um, having, having those practices that you have for yourself to kind of help you get through a really tough time and, and even just a, a normal time, you know, if we're doing those things on days where we feel good, then we've, we've, we're practiced for days where we feel bad and we're less likely to burn ourselves out by, you know, feeling completely underconfident. Yeah, definitely. And, and just on that as well, the idea of comparison, we've spoken, we've mm-hmm. like touched on it loads here. The more we compare ourselves to others, the more we feel like we're not good enough. And like the best thing we can do is actually understand what we want out of life. Like as simple, you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, you're being told as a woman that you need to get married, have a baby. And that noise can be so loud. Mm. Um, We did an episode about turning 30 and discussed all of those kind of outdated measures of success of where we should be by that time. And should is the, you know, the magic word there. Mm. Nasty case of the shoulds. That's the real pandemic. (laughs) That's my favorite Sineadism. Um, And the best thing we can do is work out what you want, you know, in all areas, what are your priorities? You can do anything, but you can't do everything, you Mm -hmm. know, and this is where we get jealous and we get, you know, I, I live in a small flat in North London. Um, and with that, I pay less rent, but I don't get to be close to my friends and other friends don't have a, a partner. And so, you know, you have to be happy in what you've chosen and realize that that comes with sacrifices. You can't have everything and do everything, but decide what your priorities are, what you want, strive for that, but also share it. I think the mm. best thing we can do with all these areas of imposter syndrome is say to your friends, whatever priorities, whatever you're doing, whether it's I'm going to save money right now, this is a priority to me I need you to respect that um and talk about it rid the shame from conversations start talking about sex start talking about money and poo and whatever because the more we feel comfortable because female friendship is like the greatest thing on this planet um like when it's nurtured and you take shame out of it you can literally be each other's cheerleaders and the best way we can listen to them because they love us and so deciding what's around for a reason Yes. My hair's really big because I've got all Sinead's secrets in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, focus on you, look after your, your mind and, and follow what you want in life. And then that becomes the, the more you feel confident in you, the less you'll get jealous of other people. Yeah, that's really wise words, actually, really wise words. And a lot of good points there to take away for anyone that's listening. But also for anyone that's listening, you want to be hopping on to the Imposter Club podcast because I will pop all of the links for your pod, your Instagram handle, etc., in the bio um, and on the show notes. Um, but hop onto the Imposter Club podcast. You will get so many tips, tricks, comfort, advice, and laughs actually through the the whole, I haven't actually listened to the whole of whole three seasons yet, but I'm working my way through them. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining us today, girls. Thank you for sharing a lot about imposter syndrome and how we can all combat that inner voice inside. I'm really, really grateful. And I'm sure everyone listening will be grateful too. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And also we're just launching a newsletter as well. So if you want some uh, encouraging emails in your inbox, um, mm. you can sign up to that as well through our website. So hopefully we'll see some of you as part of the club. 
Fingers crossed. (laughs) Thanks so much for having us. Lovely to have you both, girls. That's all from me, Mel and Sinead today, guys. But as always, thanks for tuning in. If you want to connect with Mel and Sinead, then head over to the Grown Up Hustle podcast on Instagram, where you will find the Imposter Club girls tagged on the grid. While you're there, give us a follow to stay up to date with our up and coming shows. And also don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you guys are listening on. As always, feel free to slide into my DMs with any show suggestions or even just to say hi. Next week, I've got Jennifer Vaughan joining us on the show. Uh, Jennifer's got her own YouTube channel and her own podcast to help raise awareness for HIV. In Jennifer's own words, she's a suburban white mother of three and she really did not fit the majority of stats for this virus. Jennifer's going to be sharing her story with us of her journey and how once under control life with HIV really isn't that different and how it's mostly about educating and removing the stigma which is the real problem with the virus. As always everyone have an absolutely brilliant week and I can't wait to catch you all next week.